Hello to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity that God's gave us that we might look back into the Word of God uh, in Bible study as we're looking at Elijah and Elisha. Oh, another apology. It's been a week or two, and I'm sorry for that. Um, but we're thankful to have the opportunity to get to look back in again to the precious Word of God, the only truth that there is in this world that's certain, that's sure, that's steadfast. The Word of God reveals the truth of God unto us, and everything contradictory to the Word of God is, in fact, a lie. God's Word is infallible, and thank God for it. It's the guide unto all things of God, so why should I not have a desire to study to look in, to understand more of the depths of the Word of God. And you always, you've got to remember this as well, that we come with it in the flesh with presuppositions, with tradition and, and traditional thinking and how we feel and what we believe and what so-and-so has said in our life. God help us to come to the Word, not with that formed and, and looking to prove my agenda, God, help us to come to the Word of God with a desire. God, you show me the truth and settle my life unmovable on it. And, you know, I, I pray that somehow through this, the few that listen, that God could help establish you the more in the depths of His wondrous truth and the great salvation that He accomplished for the saved and the born again, the church of the living God. Thank God for all his wondrous works and for his wonderful word. So last time we finished chapter 1 of 2 Kings and we saw there they, uh, King Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, he had sent three captains to Elijah after he had fallen and Elijah intercepted his messengers going down to Ekron told him that the king was going to die. The king sent men to arrest him, and Elijah called fire down on the first two captains, and the third finally sought mercifully, uh, not commanding, not seeking to force, but came mercifully bowing before the word of God. And that's the proper position that we should approach the word, the Holy Ghost, the Son, and the Father we come unto God on our face before him seeking his mercy because we're he's not at my command, but it's the other way around. I'm at his command. He's not my servant, but I'm his servant. And that's the way he came. And uh, we saw at the end of the chapter, Ahaziah died from his fall. So we come to chapter two and we're going to pick up again. We're going to see Elisha and Elijah. In this chapter, Elijah's going to be called away into heaven, and Elijah's going to be uh, Elijah's spirit is going to be passed on to Elisha. So we'll start here, chapter two. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now here the time came, and it was God's time for Elijah to be taken up to heaven. I believe if we remember, if we look back into 1 Kings, 
Elijah wanted to be called into heaven back when Jezebel had threatened his life. He had ran and went out into the wilderness and had laid down under a tree and said, it's better that I die than it is to live. Now, had Elijah gotten his way and if God would have taken him out then, there wouldn't have been an Elisha prepared to pick up right where the man left off. So certainly the devil says, and you know, I, I'm susceptible to that as well as anybody else in the kingdom of God, any minister of God. We've all got this carnal mind and imagination of the flesh that the devil likes to play in, that he likes to deceive, that he would like to lead astray from the truths of the word of God. And so he tells Elijah, you're not doing any good. They're not hearing you. Your service is pointless. You just need to die. Job's wife said, Job, why are you even doing this anymore? You just need to curse God, give it up, and die. Why would you continue on this way? And that we still face that today, that the devil says what you're doing is not profiting anybody. It's of no value. You need to just quit. But we see now in chapter 2, now it's God's time for Elijah to lay his mantle down for him to be called into heaven. And that day is coming as well for all that are saved and born again. Uh, we ought to think about that, you know, in the weariness of this life, the weariness of the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the flesh, it's weary. The flesh, as especially as it ages and grows older and problems arise in it, and uh, if we're blessed to live long enough, every day will be a new problem in the flesh. But you know, the church of the living God, them that are saved and born again, we can look and know that the day is soon coming, that God's going to take us out of this land of wickedness into the glory of heaven. One day, we're going to get to lay down this outward man that causes all the trouble, leave this land that's cursed by sin and filled with trouble, and forever be with the Lord. We have that to look forward to. We expect that with all of our heart because God who cannot lie promised it and he sent his spirit to those that are born again that they might be assured of that. And that ought to motivate and, and strengthen and encourage me that labor, we've only got a short time to labor, then we're going to lay it down and rest. But there's not a place of rest in this world. God help us while we have the opportunity and the time to run the good fight, the good fight of faith and to run the course that God's laid before us and not be weary in well-doing. Now we will be in the flesh. God help us to overcome that weariness in the flesh by the grace of God that's within us and let us go on and let us walk according to the word of God and accomplish the work that he's got for us to accomplish. We're going to go home in God's time and in God's plan. In some cases, in Job's and in Elijah's, it may be after. Job wanted to die as well, but he couldn't die, he said. So 
though we have that desire to go on and be with the Lord, it may be after when we think, or it may be much sooner. But we can rest assured of this, when God's ready to get us, God will get us. It'll be in his time, according to his purpose, and according to his plan. So when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven. Now notice this as well. It's worth saying. Elijah's not climbing up to heaven. He's not climbing Jacob's ladder. A lot of times that's the way that scripture is presented, that Jesus is a ladder that I'm supposed to climb up on. But that's not what Elijah's doing. He's serving God. God's going to take him up into heaven. That's the way it will be for the church we won't be climbing by our works, but it'll be by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He made the way. And it's through his work that we're going to be called up into heaven. That Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. So here they are, they're traveling, and they are at Gilgal. Now Gilgal is significant because it was the place where as Israel was brought in out of the wilderness into Canaan's land, we know they crossed Jordan, they destroyed Jericho by marching around it, and God caused the walls to fall in upon the city. This was the first place they camped after that. And Joshua said, the Lord has rolled the reproach off of us. They were reproached because they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and there everyone 20 years old and upward died. They perished in the wilderness because of their unbelief of the word of God. Well, now God had brought them in and won this great victory at Jericho, and they're camping now here, and Joshua says, God has rolled the reproach off of us, and therefore they called that place Gilgal. It was a place of victory there. It was also the place where Samuel was judge, and it's the place where Saul, the first king of Israel, was anointed to be the king. So a place of great past victories. There they are coming out of, uh, uh, of the wilderness. They're being brought into Canaan. They've won their first victory, and there they're camping. And Elijah says unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. So Elijah says, I'm, I'm going down to Bethel. You just stay here at Gilgal. And Elisha says, No, I'm going with you to Bethel. Now here at Bethel, this was the place where that Jacob first met the Lord. As he's running away after that he had stolen the blessing of Esau from him. He runs to Bethel and there he camps for the night and the Lord appears to him and there he sees Jacob's ladder as it's so called and he says, I'm going to call this Bethel, meaning the house of God. And it was there as Jacob come back with Rachel and Leah and his family, there he came to God another time. So you see, here's a place where God began his work in Jacob's life, uh, uh, dealing with him and revealing and manifesting himself to him. So they're going to go from the camping place. But he says, now listen, you just tarry here, and I'm going to go down to Bethel. 
But Elisha's heart, by the grace of God, is with Elijah. And I'm not going to tarry here, but I'm going to go onward. So we'll, we'll speak more about that as we go. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. So now these sons of the prophets, um, this is something we've not seen in the scripture uh, up to this point. So what were these? Well, we know this, and I, I believe you can see here how that Elijah's work was so important in Israel turning a number of people from falseness under the true God of Israel, that Jezebel had slain every prophet and every priest and everyone she could get her hands on that professed and named the word of God. She done everything that she could to kill every one of them out of the land. We know that uh, Obadiah hid a hundred by fifties in a cave but the prophets were greatly depleted. And it looks like these sons of the prophets that under Elijah and his guidance and his instruction and the power of God that rested upon him, there were sons of the prophets that began like a school of the prophets where that the men of God would teach the word, where that there was a desire to learn the word. We might call it a seminary in our day in that regard. But really, it's the church. It's a place for these men to gather and study and dig deeper into the word of God and seek after God. And you know, it looks like Elisha knew that Elijah was going to be called out. And these men, the sons of the prophets, they had it revealed to them too that God's going to do this work. Now, I've heard this preached that they were trying to distract Elisha from what was going on. But I don't know that that's the case. I, uh, they're not trying to pull him away from him, but they're saying, are you aware that God's going to take Elijah away today? And Elisha says, yea, I know it. Hold you your peace. So it was known then that Elijah was going away. And I believe from the first verse, they knew then that this was going to happen. And Elisha wants to be there when Elijah is taken away. So they come to Bethel now, the place where Jacob was drew out. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. He said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. So in a lot of ways now, they're going backwards from the way the children of Israel went when they came into the land of Canaan. They came from Bethel, down to Gilgal. Now they've come from Gilgal back to Jericho, and Jericho was the first city after they crossed Jordan into Canaan's land that God destroyed of the Canaanites that dwelt there. This is where, as we said just a minute ago, that they circled the walls and the walls fell in. So here was another place of remembrance and great victory that the Lord had wrought for Israel. And so he says, you just tarry here and I'm going to go on down to Jericho. And Elisha, his heart, being with his master, says, I'm not going to leave you. 
and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho. So there's a pretty wide group of these men and sounds like they're spread out. And you know, just as it is in our day, uh, there's men spread out all over our country and world and in some places they're spread way out. But there's men that preach the gospel that desire to uh, rightly divide the word of God that are led by God's spirit and, and thank God for them. And this has came to pass as a result of God's working through Elijah. And, you know, I don't know that these were there when he ran from Jezebel, but they're there now. So God's wrought a significant work, you could say. And so the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. So again, they come out to inform Elisha that Elijah's leaving this world today. And you know, that could be depressing. I believe as the Lord Jesus hung on a cross, he was winning the victory, and yet that was depressing to his disciples who didn't really see what was going on in the spiritual realm. They didn't see what was going on behind. They just seen their master and the one that they loved and the one that was the, uh, the very man of God in this world, they seen him hanging on a cross. And so this could be very depressing and maybe that was the thought of the sons of the prophets. This great man, this man of God, this man that God has used so marvelously in our day is going to be leaving here. And Elisha says again, I know, hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took off his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass. Well, let's stop right there for a minute at the eighth verse. So here's Elijah and Elisha in a sense back going backwards opposite of what the children of Israel did. Now they've departed from Jericho and they've went down to Jordan. And I've often thought this, when the children of Israel crossed over Jordan, God parted the water, he stacked up the river, essentially he dammed up the river, they walked across it, and then he let it go. But while the water was stopped, they had the priests stack 12 stones there in the midst of the river as a remembrance of God drying up the river and bringing them in. I've often thought if right here where they crossed Jordan was the very place that Joshua had them stack the rock in the midst of the river that the children of Israel crossed on dry ground. And Elijah comes to the river, folds his mantle in half, and smites the water. And God, again, divides the water, and they went over on dry ground. So what you've got here is a great uh, remembrance of the mighty works that God has done for his people. 
And you know, while it's wonderful to look back on for strength and for encouragement, when the devil says there's no hope, there's no way that it can happen in your day, there's no power that's going to bring this to pass, we can go back and see, and, and you know, we don't have to go back uh, in history, we can go to the Word of God certainly, and we can go back in our lives to the places that God's wrought great deliverance. And Elijah here, he's taken Elisha back through all these great victories that God wrought, not man, but God wrought these victories by the by his power and by his strength. And we can look back to these very things and recognize that God is indeed in control and able to do exceeding abundantly more than we could ask or even think. There's no cause for me to despair in my weakness, in my infirmity, or in the perceived weakness of the church. The church of itself has always been weak. Israel, through the Old Testament of itself, was always weak. They always were defeated when God was against them. But it was the very working of God in them that even at times when it was 300 men led by Gideon against an army that was as grasshoppers in the field, that God could bring victory to the glory of His name so that why should we despair? It's easy to despair in the flesh and in the carnal mind. I realize that we can get in a place just like Elijah did and we can despair of the condition that we're in or of what we're seeing go on round about us. But my God, we can look back and see that God all through time, all through our life has been in control of everything that goes on and we can trust His power and know that by Him we can overcome all things to the praise of the glory of his grace so that when the walls of Jericho fall it wouldn't cause they hammered on them and knocked them down it was because God did it and God got the glory when they crossed over Jordan it wasn't because they built a dam out of rocks or they constructed a bridge but God stacked it up and to God be the glory. Over and over again, to God be the glory. And so when Elijah and Elisha come, this mantle, now the mantle, I don't know this by any means, but we know that Samuel had a mantle. We see that mentioned in Scripture. Elijah has it, and we're going to see Elisha take it up. So perhaps this was a sign in dress, that this was a man of God. This mantle was uh, the, the clothing that the prophet of God wore in this day. And I realize that's speculation, but I don't believe it's way far out there speculation. That, that looks to be the case. Uh, at, at least in this situation it is. And he takes off that mantle and that's what he smites the water with. Now God had Moses hold up the rod and the water parted. Uh, Joshua had the, uh, the Levites with the Ark of the Covenant go and step out into the water 
and God stacked the water up. See, it, it, it's not about the method that goes on. It's not Moses' rod that's parting the water. It's not the feet of the priests that's parting the water. It's not the mantle of Elijah that's going to part the water here, but it's the power of God in every situation so that we could say, boy, I wish we had that mantle today that we could use to get the job done. I wish we had an Elijah today that could get this job done. But you see, it's not about the method. God used three different methods there to do the same work, to part the water that the people of God could get across. God's the one doing the work, and he's operating through the means that he sees fit to operate. And that's precisely how God operates today. The church, those that are saved in the church, they're saved because God appeared to them and convinced them by his grace, brought them out of their sin into the light of the kingdom of God by the authority and by the power of the Spirit. Those that preach the gospel today, they do so because God selected them to be preachers and called them into that work and by the way, if they are called of God, God's Spirit will bear witness to it. It's not making a loud racket or showing the flesh that makes a man a preacher. It's not being able to talk for an hour that makes a man a preacher, but there'll be a manifestation of the grace of God that this is one of my men that I've selected to do this work. So that the church and the preachers those that teach the Word, if they're going to do any teaching, they're going to get their understanding of the Word of God from the illumination of the Spirit. Any real understanding of the truth has come from God Himself by the power of the Holy Ghost of God. So that now, if all of that's the case, if God's saving by His power, if God's calling by His power, and everything in the church today has been constructed by the grace of God, by the Spirit, by the Word of God, and He's built it just like He wants, then you can rest assured that God is operating in our world today exactly as He sees fit to operate. I don't have a mantle to smite people with. That's not what God wants me to do. I don't have a rod to hold up either. That's not what God wants me to do. Today we're called to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and that preaching is what God has chosen to operate and to maneuver in this world to call His elect out of sin and into the glorious redemption of the Son of God. It's by the gospel He's operating the same way today and it's all by His power. The, the God's truth is I don't have to talk anybody into coming to God. Think about that for just a minute. If I talk them into coming, they're coming to me. That's not my job. My job, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Rightly divide the word of truth. Study to show yourself approved unto God. That's my job. Preach the word. 
and God will work through that means that he's chosen to accomplish the work that he's doing. It's, it's all of him. It's just thank God that he chose to use us in the work that he's accomplishing. May God's grace ever strengthen us in his work that we could be used of him to the praise of his glory and not of ours. So the mantle then parted the water here and they went over on dry ground. And so as well, let's look back here. They've come through all of these victories and Elijah says, just stay here. Now the devil would say that as well. Just stay, you've won a big victory. Now let's just stay here for a while. <clears throat> but God calls us to go onward. And friends, it's the call and grace of God that causes us to go onward because we had sat down and quit. If God's grace did not subdue and overcome us, greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. So literally what you see is the firstborn's portion. So in this day, if a man and woman had three sons, the firstborn would get double of all their goods and the other two would... So if you had three children, you'd divide it, your, all of your goods four ways. The firstborn would get a double portion. The other two would get single portions. So Elijah's saying, give me the firstborn portion. But I believe as we dig into Elisha, you'll see that everything Elijah did, Elisha did it twice. So he's seeking a double portion of the Spirit. Listen to what he says. A double portion of thy Spirit be upon me. I want a double portion of the Spirit that you have. Some might say, well, that's blasphemy for him to even ask or suggest that. But I believe if, if it were blasphemy, it would have been stated here as such. But Elijah doesn't say that. There's nothing wrong with coveting the best gifts. Now, to be covetous of things of the world, we're to not be. But I tell you, it'd be a great blessing for me to covet and desire to have more of the Word of God revealed unto me and written on the tables of my heart. It'd be a wonderful thing for me to covet more of the Spirit of God upon my life, that I could be a better minister for the Lord. God help us to have that desire, not to have the respect or the admiration of man, but God give me the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. Illuminate me to the more of the word of God. Paul says in the Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, there right at the end, covet earnestly the best gifts. God help us to covet the right thing, to desire 
and hunger after the very grace of God that saved us and that'll save those that will come to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll stop right there uh, for this time. I appreciate you listening. Pray the Lord will bless you and strengthen you through his word.